Greetings. Welcome to the Optic Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm Chuck Randolph, Optic's Executive Director of Strategic Intelligence. From 30 years as a military officer to transforming corporate executive protection, event security, and intelligence services teams to function beyond their traditional roles, protection, risk management, intelligence, and threat mitigation have been front and center throughout my career. This podcast series will explore the turbulent world of risk, security, and protection through conversations with leaders and innovators in the field. Now, on to the discussion. Well, I'm sitting with uh, Mr. George Taylor, who is the COO of Xlog. Uh, my friend, very excited to run across you and appreciate you taking some moments of your time to sit with us here at the Ontic booth and talk about the state of the world and, and your observations. I know, you know, we we have a history together, and whenever I see something new and emerging on the horizon, you're the first person I think of to like help make sense. So w- welcome to the Antic podcast. Yeah, thanks. I'm, uh, I'm honored to be here. And yeah, I, I, I appreciate that you have enough trust in me to uh, hit me up for certain <laughs> elements as well. My friend, I mean, you always have a very measured approach to anything that happens. So I remember um, when we've talked to you before about uh, in a different venue about Ukraine, and you gave a very measured approach, like here, folks, what you want to get into what you don't want to get into. I mean, you're somebody who has managed crisis literally all over the world. And you think about it critically before the mics turned on, we were just both laughing. Like who knew that at some point we'd be thinking more about spreadsheets and insurance yeah. and less about, Hey, what do we need to have, you know, to make sure that we can make through the next patrol without killing our feet. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, it's, uh, friends think I'm out maybe, uh, you know, uh, snooping through the woods and parachuting in denied areas. And that's pretty much what the focus is, but that's the bread and the butter of keeping business going. And if you're going to be able to deliver and support clients with uh, risk services, risk solutions, uh, you got to have a viable business that can support the back end so the operations people can deliver. George, how did you find your way into the corporate side? I mean, from the, you know, the MARSAC type background and all that over to what, what you do now? I mean, I didn't really kind of go into your entire history, which could take me an hour to do that. But I mean, you know, for the audience, like, how did you make it to this space? Yeah. Uh, so. I'm I'm old enough that I predate Marsoc, but uh, they were transitioning. <laughs> I was trying to be nice, man. I appreciate it. But yeah, I was in force reconnaissance. I mean, I was an uh, infantry Marine, a Marine sniper, was in force reconnaissance and, uh, you know, ran one of the main training centers uh, to certify uh, special missions and other things that took place. But uh, when I got out, uh, you know, I was an independent, worked at different places, and um I then started working in the commercial environment uh, with Glock. I provided all the protective services of Gaston Glock and certain key members of the board worldwide. And uh, from there, I got into family offices out of Switzerland. Uh, but I still independent. I had some people that were with me semi-permanently, uh, but I did that. And then I got involved uh, with uh, Kroll through the Crucible. And that's my right. first real exposure to the corporate environment. And when you get exposed to Kroll, that's a true corporate environment, yeah. uh, you know, you show up in New York and you're wearing a sports jacket. You just bought a JC Penney's and, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> no. they're not wearing stuff that costs pennies. Yeah. Uh, but I got exposed there. And I actually, I think in another venue and I, and I talked about this at length, I, I learned a lot about that experience. And yeah. I learned a lot working with business people out of Switzerland and, and all that. And then as time went by, um, you know, I worked, uh, you know, when 9-11 happened, there were a lot of other things, but I got involved with the Glock group and then I 
I supported yeah. the entire enterprise. And then from there, I and some years later, uh, after I'd been working some other independent gigs and some uh, specialty programs, I got uh, involved with iJet, got hired at iJet, built out their entire operations group. Um, they became world aware, yep. built all their crisis management Just, and all that. And that I was had, my exposure. Uh, had Bruce on the podcast earlier today to right. kind of talk about things that he's seeing on the, on, you know, on the horizon and things. So, I mean, what a great, but, well, you know, you said you were a Marine Corps, Marine Corps sniper in particular, you know, right. I also am former military army myself. Right. Um, I did not bring any crayons for you, but I'll get some yeah, for yeah. my friend. I have already had lunch, so I don't need the crayons <laughs> right now. So, yeah. What did you learn as a Marine Corps sniper that you used in corporate America? Yeah, um, I would say one, uh, you know, success is based on planning. I mean, that's the key that I, I learned really pretty much anything I did, even as an infantryman. But uh, success uh, is uh, planning is key to success. The more preparation you can do, the more information you know and you understand how it applies to what right. you're trying to do. Information is valuable, but until you analyze it um, and understand what it means contextually to what you're trying to do, uh, it's just information, but that's really the key I took away is preparation uh, beats uh, reaction, right? Right. Uh, it's the same thing if you're going to move into, you know, if you're going to move into a final firing position, all that, that may take days, but you've also spent days doing the plan and you're executing a mission that may take, uh, you know, less than 30 minutes, right? Uh, well, time on target, less than 30 minutes is all the preparation puts you at that point where the success now relies on your individual skill, but you had to have all that preparation first. Yeah, so you're right. So actually, by the time it actually plays out, you should have played it out in your mind, played it out on a right. war game, played right. it out, in, you know, in a yeah. scenario-based, you know, tabletop, whatever, four or five times to think, like, what are the likely right. outcomes right. so there are no surprises. I mean, right. I can only imagine with what you folks do around the world now, how important that crisis planning comes into play in terms of like, hey, we have folks that we need to get off of the X. Maybe there's 15, maybe there's 20. You know, not everything is going to re require gunships and helicopters. Right. Yeah, that's true. And really, uh, uh, a lot of uh, even friends, you and I were joking about this earlier, you know, friends think that we're out doing all this great stuff. And we are doing great stuff. Uh -huh. But the reality is what we're doing is we're empowering and enable organizations and individuals to be prepared, which de facto will make them more resilient. Yeah. The more prepared you are, the more resilient you are. Uh, emotionally, you know, it, it covers all facets of life, but we're really focused on the business part of it. Is we try to make them, I'll, I'll use the term, super prepared, extra prepared, so they're ready yeah. and resilient. And when things start happening, if you're in that forward leaning posture, they recognize uh, negative trends quicker and contextualize them. That's really the key: is put it in, in context. Right. Is contextualize them and take some self mitigation steps. Uh, you know, you and I have talked about this before is we don't want to be the we don't want to be anytime you see something negative calls. Now, we value that if clients do that, they should bounce it off right. that. But we want to make them powerful enough so they can take some of their own steps, have their own program and their own results. And then when they they need us, we're ready to go because we're fully integrated into their solution from the, the preparation phase, the resilience phase. And then if some action uh, operational actions are needed on an objective operational area, we're able to go in and with very low visibility, execute at a very high level and either protect or extract or move their assets and people away from the threat. So do you often find that organizations engage y'all early on or do you often, is it still after the fact? No, I'd say um, 
uh, you know, percentages are hard to get, but I'd say 90% of our clients have a, a risk program with us that year round that we are servicing them and running their risk program. They have access right. to our subject matter experts. We got a 24 seven operations center. They're able to talk to people. Uh, we, we value the consultative uh, work with them. Uh, we're watching the world for them so they don't right. have to. We're a force multiplier extension of their operations. It's headcounts hard to get, so we fill that gap as well. But I'd say 90% of our clients, we're in a year-round uh, engagement, multi-year engagement, to uh, help them uh, prepare, be more resilient, and understand um, you know, how, to, how they can do business globally in a safe, effective, and efficient fashion. You know, it's interesting you say we're watching the world for them. There's a lot to watch right now. I oh, think yeah. we can agree on that. Yes. How do you make sense for the myriad of clients you have? You and I, as foreign military folks, might call it priority intelligence requirements, right. but it's really like what's important to the business. Right. So how do you help businesses figure out this is what you need to monitor for, as opposed to maybe this is just, you know, you don't want to be the BBC for somebody, right. but you do want to have an effective monitoring process. How do you approach and help folks figure that out? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, how we approach it is, well, this is one of my uh, reasons that I, you know, I work with Jack Stradley, CEO, Xlog, to, to move the company to where we were because what we felt there was a gap in the industry is there's a lot of alerting, alerting platforms and others, and there's there's some noise. So what we pride ourselves on is being able to understand the culture of the organization that we're dealing with. We get into the weeds with them and see how they do business, and what we do then is we provide solutions that we have. We we mold them to fit and integrate with their culture and their right. way of doing business. Now, it's not a perf it's not a science, it's more of an art. So we may deliver the same services. Let's just say we have a group of 10 clients. We may be delivering the same services to those 10 clients, but we're approaching it slightly different for right. each one based on their culture and how they do business. And also, you know, if you, many organizations are organized differently than each other, even though they're yep. in like industries. And so we also adapt to that as well. Uh, the other thing is um, we really stress is we want our clients, we want to be a partner. We don't want to be a vendor. Yeah, I love that. We partner, we want our clients to look at us as a trusted advisors. Yep. You'll hear me use it, you know me. Oh, yeah. I use that a lot. I, I take a lot of pride uh, in the fact that people, friends, colleagues, uh, clients can come to me and I'm going to give them ground truth. I'm not going to sugarcoat it and give them the information they need to know to be effective. So the key is understanding. I would say the other thing that we've also realized is um, information needs to be customized to the individual organization. And I mean, we talk about protective yeah. intelligence is um, what we we understand and we mostly focus on is be providing information is relevant to the person's risk profile, the organization's risk profile, the risk tolerance, and building it around that way instead of just ge just general location that you mentioned, the BBC. I used to joke with some clients, I'd say, look, the, the alerts you're getting, you could set up Google alerts to get the same notifications. They're just going to be worded differently without a bunch of branding on them, right? Yeah. doesn't mean they're right. What you need, what we do is we give the information to people that's relevant to them, that's going to, one, help them protect themselves, and two, protect their brand. Well, think about it. That's when information becomes intelligence. Yes. Information we can get right. every day. We are getting it every day on our phones, on our computers. Right. Everybody is a telemetry point. Right. And you have, you know, there's tons of people that will pop up and say, we're doing monitoring this and that. You're monitoring information. At what point does it become intelligence, which I think, I'll rewind 
45 seconds to where you say it's an art form that we're going to look at each of our trusted, we're looking at each of our partners, understand what matters to them, i.e. derive requirements and priorities. And then we're going to start monitoring for those and give them the information and the language that so instead of them trying to understand what our, you know, our tribal language is, which makes us a vendor, we're going to give it to them in their language. Yes. Because we need you to make a decision because the business that you're in, in particular, responds immediately. Yes. So I have always admired the fact that you guys painstakingly obsess on customer language. We right. need you to make decisions rapidly. Therefore, we're going to spend the time planning. Right preparation in helping us understand your language. Yeah. And I, and I, I you know, again, I agree because you're saying you're giving back some of my information and I like See that. what I did there. Yeah, you did. It was really good. So, but I do, I agree a hundred percent, you know, 200% if I could. And I would say what, what is missed a lot is um, you brought up the intelligence is the, my belief is that word is abused in the commercial oh, industry. 100%. And everybody's doing Intel and they heard it has to be analyzed first, so they give somebody a title of an analyst and they read something and they, they make a few comments on it or they modify the branding, they send it out and they call it intelligence. And it's no slight to people that are doing their job and do what no. they're told to do, but that's not intelligence. No, that's intelligence is information repurposing. Right, yes, exactly. I was, I'm, for once, I'm being polite, right? Uh, but the overall thing is the talking to people's language, it's the other thing, uh, the issue that I have. Uh, in the industry, and I, I see some friends do it, is they're too caught up on verbiage. And I get it. I know what the particulars are on the rich management. But I'm talking, and our company is talking, uh, you know, you just met uh, Barbara Kalskis, and she's yeah. talking to people Amazing. all the time. And she's, I mean, she's tip of the spear professional, is we got to be able to communicate with the people that are hearing. So the example I use with people is, if you're going into XYZ and working with an indigenous force, do you go in and just keep speaking in English to them when right. they don't, that's not how they communicate. Uh, it's not how they operate. You you go to them, you speak their language, and you use words that mean something to them to help to achieve a goal and make them well, better, right? The same thing with business. It's interesting, too, because let's think about it. Like you and I, you know, maybe maybe you're German and I'm French, but we both speak English. What are you dreaming? Right. How do you think? Right. You think in your native language. Right. I think in my native, right. native language. So this idea of creating that common operating language through common operating information is going to give us a better picture that we can we can work together and, and get decisions made quicker. I think it's interesting. I love the idea also when you say it's an art form, because oftentimes I believe that people. Yes, it's a process. We got it. George and I get it, folks. No need to mail in. It's a process organization. There is a process that we need to form, but you have to allow for the art. Exactly. You have to allow for that, or dare I say it, it's it's liable to fail immediately right. because it's the process is so rigid that it doesn't uphold to that. I mean, every, you know, it, that fluidity doesn't allow it to to take its first poke from risk. Exactly, it's a brittle it's a brittle process. It yeah. cracks on the immediate. The first engagement with a threat or risk, true risk, it the foundation cracks because it's too rigid and it's not doesn't have some flexibility built into it. Uh, and so when we work, uh, you know, with organizations and individuals, uh, and I mentioned individuals because we, yeah. we have a high net worth uh, line of business sure. as well, uh, and that's mostly families and family offices and individuals, but you have to give them some sort of flexibility to give some op options. And, and initially, 
you may have to give them a decision matrix and everybody should have something, but they may have to look at it to, to, to right. execute it. There's no slight on anybody. I use cheat sheets all the time for stuff and I'm sure you hey, do for things. Life that is an open at. book quiz, right. my friend, right. especially and risk. The other thing is uh, if you make it too rigid, then change, you know, I, I may have mentioned this to you before, uh, you know, I have a lot of people ask me, what do you actually do? And I say, well, I'm a change management agent. Yeah. And they're like, no, I thought you were in security. This no, because what I'm doing is helping organizations. I talked about the culture. I talked about the uh, how they do business to help them achieve the, the risk goals that they have across the enterprise. Yeah. There's change that has to take place. And I try to be the I'm not the agent of that change to them to help them get that way. Uh, make that change. So I do a lot of that. And so that's why it has to have some flexibility. But the third point I'd say about flexibility is everyone in your personal life and in business should be living in a, a continuous improvement environment. Yeah, for and sure. If you make a process that's so dictatorial uh, and it's only can be executed in one way, they're never going to change it because they're going to be afraid if they make one change, it's going to cause another change and so on. No, that's true. And I mean, you have to always, you have to adopt your own processes. Yeah. You have to, whether it's individually, you know, what time do I get up in the morning, right. what I'm going to do with myself right. or organizationally, how are we looking at information? How are we responding to crisis? What did we learn? How should we change? And you're right. I mean, you're really a culture change management expert yeah. because you have to incorporate risk into the culture. And part of it's also like, let's, let's open this organization's aperture a little bit. So they'll take in the understanding like risk is here. Let's not ignore it. There's no need, you know, that break glass environment, you know, break glass, pull the alarm. Here comes the guns, gates and guards. But it's no it's so far beyond that now. Right. I mean, in the um, the unprecedented level of risk that continues to just manifest. So I was talking to um, Ken White from Expedia uh, earlier today. Uh, yeah. We were talking about COVID and coming out of COVID or pandemic, however you want to look at it. And say, hey, now it's an endemic. Maybe we can breathe a sigh of relief. Oh, we can't. Russia went into Ukraine. Right. Oh, we can't. Now we have, you know, midterm elections. Oh, we can't. Now we have ransomware on the rise. Oh, we can't. Now we have all these threats. I mean, how do you, how do you guys look at it's like never ending um, risk fatigue? <laughs> yeah, well, it, that's, that's a very good question. So uh, a couple points on that is we, we look at it is I I look at everything as an opportunity. Mm -hmm. everything's an opportunity and I try to help uh, organization client organizations understand there's opportunity within risk yeah uh, you can't have every organization go to their basement and just play on Twitter right like <laughs> some humans have we have to get out there and do things uh, you got to generate revenue which is the ultimate goal of every organization have uh, satisfied employees and all that and protect them in their safety so I, I look at opportunity but how we uh, do that is it goes back to some of my initial statement is we we ensure that uh, we help our client organizations contextualize the risk and mm -hmm. we had to put it in categories and then wrap also many organizations don't even understand what their risk profile is and until you establish that you can't even get to the risk tolerance. Yeah. So these are all interconnected things that have to be done. And they're not like dominoes when each one falls, it goes to the other. But when you do them, it helps move into another phase. So w w sometimes we get into organizations and their risk tolerance is very low. But after about a year of working and they find out that the risk management uh, solutions that we bring and work with them, and again, it's their program. That's the verbiage we always use. It's not XLOG's program. It's Client X's program, and right. we use that verbiage all the time because 
we want them to own it emotionally and all the other reasons they do contractually. It's their program is we go, we'll find in about a year or less is their risk tolerance probably got a little bit higher. And now they're doing some other things. And really, uh, it's just based on, it goes back to that a continuous improvement environment is we got to understand all these things. And yes, Ukraine got invaded. So maybe the business they were going to do in Ukraine allows them to divert uh, some other resources, whether financial or, or people, to another area that they were going to do an expansion right. or something in, right? And so that's really should open doors, I hope. No, I, I, I think it is interesting. And, you know, I, I don't want to give too much away, but I know you and I had talked about Ukraine uh, issues, you know, before uh, over right. a phone call and stuff. And the idea, like many people wanted to go in there, like, we're going to solve this issue. And right. you're like, look, this is, this is going to be going on for a while, yeah. folks. So you need to think deeply about how we're going to manage this, what we're going to do. It's not some, you know, I like this saying, like, one in one is two, but three minus one is two. Yeah. So it's often like, what are we solving for and how are we solving? Right, right. And I think that's something that I've, I've seen you guys do in terms of like, hey, yes, we want to get folks out. Hey, yes, we want to solve for X, but how are we going to solve for that? Right. And, you know, and again, maybe that's where the art form comes in. What's the best environment? What's the best way we can solve that so it continues to make it better further on and we're just not solving in the moment? Yeah, and I, I agree. And I did say like right now, uh, I know of organizations that are looking beyond the, yeah. the theater, that the combat, yeah. combat's going on that, you know, it's hard to sift through some of the news, but it looks like Ukraine is, uh, you know, things are making progress right. there. As of today. Uh, we've had ongoing uh, low profile uh, security support that we've been doing there in the country continuously. Uh, but now we have organizations that did have uh, corporate headquarters and others there that are considering how they can reestablish and do yeah. things there. So they're already looking beyond the horizon of what they may be able to do. Uh, some have already gone back in. Kiev is mm -hmm. relatively safe. Mm -hmm. uh, you probably saw pictures of people lying in the backs yeah. of the rivers and all that. So they're looking at that. So we're trying to, well, we're not trying to, we're, we're prepared to work with the organizations to go back in there. But I would say some of the outcome of, and if we're talking Ukraine specific, is I, there's been a significant uptick of uh, organizations in countries that are uh, bordering Ukraine that now have a much better uh, or much more resilient, have a much better crisis management plan and probably have at, at this lowest end uh, a communications plan and an information sharing plan when they didn't have one before. Mm -hmm. And sometimes these type of things cause people to get attention. And, uh, you know, I, I never fear sell, but I let the organizations draw their own conclusions. But many, just like COVID have worked, woke many up that their 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 medical plan was not that robust. It was only yeah. built for two or three days, not two years. Uh, this is, I think, helped a lot of organizations take a closer eye on risk. And it also helped them realize that maybe some of the service they get, it goes back to the earlier uh, this point we had about what is real intelligence? What is intelligence yeah. really for us? And so they got more focused programs that are built around their mission, their goals, uh, and got better. Well, it's like you said, you know, we have an opportunity in the moment to um, use the crisis to our advantage. If you're a you know young right. CSO or somebody in a security organization, right. you're brought in for a crisis. It's a good it's a good moment to expand your network. Right. Immediately reach out across and say, hey, I need to figure out who the partners in the organization. Right. And as you just said, let's make sure that as we kind of get over the the initial bout of whatever risk we're facing, let's already start thinking about the contingency plan. So we won't be air quotes here surprised over this again. And we've already thought about it. I think something else that 
strikes me as like, this is an opportunity for us as risk or security professionals to walk into the room. And I know we have this idea of like, you know, you have a seat at the table, but in my mind, like, just don't get kicked out of the room. Right. Because you don't want to be down the hall when the risk happens and they need to find you. Just be in the room and continue those conversations. I mean, and that sounds like something you do. Yeah. Uh, well, we we try to coach and mentor, and I have over the years as well, CSOs and others that are new in positions and others and understand what their position is. Uh, as, you know, in most organizations, people that don't generate revenue or whether yeah. we like it or not, they're not yeah. always equal. Uh, but there are some, you know, there are super, what I'll call super powerful CSOs, but then the run of the mill, they got to provide value. And the value uh, that they could provide, and this is one of the things that didn't happen initially in COVID, when COVID first started breaking, I thought that ultimately should go to the security function because they can move mm-hmm. resources and all that. Yeah. It went to a lot of HR, but Ukraine specifically alerted people that you need a team. Uh, and if you don't have a team, you need a partner. As I mentioned earlier, like we do, we partner, we integrate, we can do all that. We become an extension. It's not our face on it. It's your face. We partner with you or we can help you figure out how to get FTEs. But they, you may need a team they can turn to and say, you know, we got an office sitting in uh, right on the riverbank uh, next to Kiev mm-hmm. and we got 15 employees. And what are we going to do? Yeah. And somebody has the answer. They may not be ex- executed, but you need somebody that says, well, we have a partner. I hope it's us. But we have a partner that's already in country and they can right. pick them up in 17 right. hours, whatever it is, five hours and all that stuff. But the other thing around that is um, you hit a really good point is. It forced, it didn't force, but it it opened up COVID and Ukraine and a few other world events have caused uh, colleagues and others to start developing a better network, in my belief. Yeah. Too, all, too long, in my opinion, uh, everybody's defaulted to the largest companies. You can walk around here and see the largest booths. They aren't really the guys who are going to go in and do anything for right. you at the crisis. And so and I, I'll, I'll be clear. Um, we have a partner network within our own thing, trusted people that we know will go and do things and they're integrated in our operational process. Additionally, we have talented, experienced operations people in our group, but you can't be worldwide. People say it, but it's impossible. But they're not names that are advertising and they're not posting on LinkedIn every other day about evacuating 500 people and all that other stuff that's not true. They're people that are actually doing things and and they're not as well known, but they're where the meat and potatoes is. And I think the industry's got exposed to those true problem solvers much more than they had been prior to some of these events. Well, and it's uh, it's important, you're right, because you always, like, like you say, you have to look at your network, examine your right. network, vet your network constantly because right. world events change our networks. And so you can't rest on your laurels. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of, okay, yeah, I know somebody, and then you have a talk to that yeah, person. Yeah. And Again, I'm not throwing shade on anybody, yeah. but we got calls from people that were clients of others uh, during the event. And I know none of our clients called anybody else, and we end up solving the problem for them. And uh, it's not shade, but we didn't do that alone as well. We had our sure. network partners that worked with us, and that's the thing that I, I've always prided myself on even before this position, is my, uh, my network and my colleagues are real. And yeah. they're people that want, you know, I would go to, you know, the, the ride or die colleagues. Uh, that's the same approach <laughs> yeah. I brought to business. Our partner networks are truly our partners. There yeah. are partners and our ride or die partners with us that we're going to take into any environment we have to, to uh, assist clients, pull them out, prepare them for the worst uh, uh, day of their life as well. So, yeah. So one last question for you, George. Um, you know, I know you to be thoughtful in terms of risk around the world. You're kind of, I mean, let's say, face it, that's your, that's kind of your sweet spot. 
anything you're looking at now in terms of the horizon that is of interest? Um, I would say some of the elections down in South America with some of the change and the failure, mm -hmm. the different try to ratification of different uh, uh, constitutional changes. Um, I'd say, you know, why many people don't have uh, a lot of assets in Afghanistan. Things are happening quickly because the winter is going to come soon in Afghanistan. So yep. uh, elements there are trying to seize some ground. But I know a lot of uh, help agencies are now looking at going back in and other things. I would say to keep an eye on that. Don't get yourself stuck in Afghanistan. Have a good plan and some communications. But um, elections worldwide, regretfully worldwide nowadays, every election cycle, regardless of the country, seems to have some political turmoil associated Agreed. with it. And why many people throughout the years, it was it was a key thing. I remember everybody would keep the anniversaries of terrorist attacks. Is yeah. that, that meant something. I think everybody should be tracking elections around the world at all times because there's some sort of uh, uh, upheaval or turmoil associated wow. with most. Um, and, uh, you know, and the other thing is uh, there's much more cyber stuff that's starting yeah, to happen. I mean, ransomware well. yeah. is not going to go away. Ransomware, we, I was just talking to somebody last week about K&R kidnapping ransom and all that. And I said, well, the odds are they're going to hack their phone or they're going to take them yeah. before midnight, drain their bank account, the limit after midnight five minutes after they'll get the next limit maybe let them go if they if they cooperate you know if there's a professional group so all that stuff is people have to be aware of had somebody once that told me uh in an old organization like ransomware isn't a problem for us i was like really yeah that you know like, you may not care about ransomware it certainly cares right. about you and that, that means so, you know that yeah. Nothing, yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's probably something going on um, already yeah George, you're you're 100 somebody that I recommend people follow because you're a good bellwether for things that are happening out there. How do people follow you? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, George Taylor, Xlog Global. Uh, that's the easiest way. I'm not really on other any other social media. Uh, I would say that's the easiest way to contact me. Uh, you can contact through our website and get a hold of me. Um, but that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Awesome. And if you're if you're at an event and you can find George and stop him and buy him a cup of coffee or a beer or something to have that conversation. I, I highly recommend that you do it. George, thank you so much for coming on. I, I appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Thanks All for right. having me. This episode was brought to you by the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. Learn more at ontic.co forward slash center. Again, ontic.co forward slash center. It was produced by AJ McKeon. Our music track is called Monteverde Ride and was written by Brian Bristow and performed by Smoke and Novas. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcast at ontic.co or visit ontic.co forward slash center for more information. Thank you for listening.